You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode will be talking about Roxy Music. Roxy Music. In the room, I have Rob. Yes. Ben. Yes. And Adam. Hey. Roxy Music is the debut studio album by the English Graham Rock band of the same name. It was released on the 16th of June, 1971 on Island Records, and the producer was Peter Sinfield. The genre is glam rock, art rock, and progressive rock, and I'm going to read from All Music Review by Stephen Thomas Irwine. Falling halfway between musical primitism and art rock ambition, Roxy Music's eponymous debut remains a startling redefinition of rock's boundaries. Simultaneously embracing kitschy glamour and avant-pop, Roxy Music shimmers with seductive style and pulsates with disturbing synth textures. Although no musician demonstrates much technical skill at this point, they're all driven by boundless imagination. Brian Eno's synth treatments, quote treatments, exploit electronic instruments as electronics instead of trying to shoehorn them into conventional acoustic patterns. Similarly, Brian Ferry finds that his vampiric croon is at its most effective when it twists conventional melodies. Phil Manzarian's guitar is terse and unpredictable, while Andy McKay's saxophone subverts rock and roll cliches by altering R&B honk with atonal flourishes. But what makes Roxy Music such a confident, astonishing debut is how these primitive avant-garde tendencies are married to full-fledged songs. Whether it's the freeform structure-bending remake-remodel or the sleek glam of Virginia Plain, the debut single added to later editions of the album, that was the trick that elevated Roxy Music from an art school project to the most adventurous rock band of the early 70s. All right, what do we think of Roxy Music? Roxy Music. I love it! Dude. I know. <laughs> Super yeah. tight. I, I, knew, I knew some of these songs, but I'd never listened to this album as an album. Yeah. I'm not going to stop, though. Okay. <laughs> I was most curious about... Rob over here because oh. what's up? Uh, had you ever heard this album before this week? Here's the rub. Okay, I started out my Roxy Music knowing career with the album Viva Roxy Music, which is a live mm. record, mm-hmm. which has a lot of these songs on it. And I used to when Kyle and I lived together, he had a copy of the old Grey Whistle Test Roxy Music one, which is this entire record, and. I had never sat down and listened to the record, but I did watch, like, you know, the scariest-looking Brian Eno outfit playing, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, uh, Brian Ferry just, like, slinking <laughs> around like a fucking panther on yeah. stage, and, like, 
it was just getting my fucking mind blown. And so the crazy thing, though, is hearing this version of it, this actually sounds way more energetic than what the live stuff was. Huh. And... I know that seems wrong, but yeah. uh, as far as like like uh, you know uh, synth like tonal stuff that uh, uh, Brian Ferry, not Brian you Ferry, know. Brian Eno's doing, uh, I don't know if you've seen what that instrument oh, is. Yeah, it looks like it. I forget what it's called, but basically it's like a uh, a yeah. game of Battleship. Like you have these little pegs that you put into the thing, and it's just it's just him twisting like three oscillators. <laughs> and the other cool thing is like on the live versions, he also just has potentiometers. So when the guitarist is doing the solo, he's controlling like delays and shit for everybody. He's just like this master mind in the corner. They look put him off to the side of the stage. You can barely see him. That makes sense. Why he's credited with quote treatments? Yes. Yeah. He, he's yeah. like his like have you ever like seen any of his tape loop stuff like the way that he would get like uh like uh, he, tape delays yeah he'd make like uh, his own analog delay and he, he would base it on how far away the two tape machines yeah. were that's how he got the thing going so he's got all these fucking tape machines going for the stuff and yeah, yeah he's scientist. he's treating everything it's fucking awesome yeah i love it i love it okay I awesome. discovered Roxy Music from the Velvet Goldmine soundtrack. Ah, that movie came dude. out in when I was in high school. And though it's like an incredibly long movie that like is really good for a while and eventually you're kind of just like, oh my god, it's still on. It's the soundtrack is I think arguably one of the best movie soundtracks I've ever heard. Yeah, and, it's really good. And good. It's got uh probably like four Roxy Music songs. Uh and there are covers of a lot of that era of songs uh, by a group called Venus and Furs, which features Tom Thirst- York from Thirsty Radiohead Moore, right? mm-hmm. uh, yeah. singing. And I can't remember. Johnny Greenwood's Johnny in it. Johnny Greenwood's in it. I think it, Thurston Moore was on guitar, too. too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like a just like this one time thing for that Super soundtrack. group glam band doing Roxy Music and covers. Doing it. It's awesome. So well. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, yeah. you know, they're really good at it. And it's great. I mean, like, I. I love Roxy Music. I think this record has all of my favorite songs. Um, if if there's going to be Roxy Music in this book, it has to be this record, in my opinion. Huh. My oh, introduction man. to a lot of these songs also was that we were living in the same house when, yeah. when we were listening to that soundtrack all the time. And I never really dove deep into Roxy Music. So some of those, like up until we were doing this this project, those like Venus and Furs supergroup versions of these songs were like like of like uh 2HB and yeah. Bitter's End and uh man maybe even Ladytron Ladytron and Virginia Planner on there too yeah, yeah like I was listening to to this for the first time like a couple weeks ago I was like oh shit this is just like the whole Velvet Goldmine soundtrack yeah. <laughs> it really is a yeah. huge part of it yeah and it took me uh, a long time because when I was listening to that soundtrack I had it on a cassette that someone had copied for me I listened to that soundtrack hundreds of times, but I never knew who any of the groups were. I was just like, ah, oh, it's the Velvet Gold, Goldmine soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. And um, years later, I started to actually identify who they were and who was, you know, who was what and what songs were covers. And it, it took me a while because uh, it just wasn't my era of music. It was, you know, an earlier era. So it was, it, I was coming at it from this retro thing, but also with this technology that doesn't tell you what you're listening to. Yeah. A copied cassette. Yeah, know? yeah. Because that's what you listen and you're minivan when you're 16 years old yeah. <laughs> i was dating someone in college who was very obsessed with roxy music and so it it kind of like 
that introduced me to Roxy Music. And at first I was like, what is this? Because I saw videos of, yeah, like Eno with all those like this crazy feathered hair in the back and like cropped. It was like 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 this big mullet and and Brian Ferry in this like shiny everything and with the sort of like pompadour hair. And he was like crooning as if he was like. Pat, not Pat Boone, but like you know, like this yeah. old, like a Frank Sinatra, well, but on like crazy acid or whatever. No, but so oh, right, right now we're listening to like the middle segment of is there if there's something when he just yeah. comes and like, yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's so, it this was so rolls. crazy yeah. though. I was just like, I don't know what to even think about this. And then I started watching more and more and more, and you realize, wow, these guys are you know incredible, especially this early, this like seventy two. This is all what takes off into I was thinking of a million different bands when oh, yeah. I was listening to this and being like, oh, absolutely talking heads are coming, you know, like Wow, that's all- a great reference that I never would have thought of, but is spot on. Oh. Lady, if you wanna find love, then you look no further. For I'm gonna be your only searching. William was talking about uh, like one of the old punk guys uh, from whenever just saying that like Funkadelic and Roxy Music and a couple other bands were just like they were just calling it punk rock before it it existed because there was no way to actually like quantify what was happening. I mean, so much of this stuff, the way that Brian Ferry is writing these tunes, there's not even a chorus. It's just agreed. it, it, It exists outside of time and yeah. space but like and also encompasses every single solitary like thing that they thought was cool at that point in time and somehow it worked yeah yeah it's it I, a lot of it too i was think i was trying to say well what if they're considered glam they were you know wearing the costumes everything what what makes this different from bowie and the only thing i could sort of come up with is not only his crooning and sort of the the more experimental treatments that Eno was doing but if Bowie, I feel like, inspired the rockers and the punks that would happen, but Roxy Music was the new wave. I mean, this is straight up like an, like the, I feel like the beginning of, yeah, the art kids of new wave. I, I music agree with of that this. totally. And I, I think like Bowie has a bit of a like more theatrical quality to yeah. what he does too. So like he brings in this whole other element of like um, songs that could almost be like from a musical sometimes, but like somehow it also rocks. And um, this stuff is way more, um, I mean, I, I hear this and I think of like television, Yeah, you know, exactly. like this, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I think Roxy Music was tapping into vibe, sort of the idea of non-structured songs and just a different approach to, to songwriting. And even like, like he's singing in a way that I'm trying to think of if anybody's been doing that strange <laughs> style of singing. You know, it's like it's I don't theirs. think so. It's their <laughs> it's their music, you know. Yeah. So I think that's yeah, just, that's what struck me. The because I was like, when did Talking Heads? Come, you know, yeah. like when did they establish? And they were in 
early 70s, but they didn't release like an album until about 77. Mm-hmm. I believe that was the album 77. 77, yeah. Also produced by Eno, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Eno got in with... Uh, I didn't even know that. That's amazing. That, like, so it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like... I just never thought about also it. Also art, art school, you know, totally. kids, you know, just... I mean, that's like talking heads to it. Too. When did Eno do the stuff with Bowie? When, when, when did we get into the uh, the Berlin stuff? Like, is that 76 or is that 74? Uh, I just saw the exhibit. Um, yeah, it would have been, that? I think it was like 74, 75. Because I don't know when, like, I, I don't because know. Because he only has, he he's on two albums with but, Roxy Music. Yeah, and I was trying to figure out, like, when he jumped ship on Roxy when's, Music. When's 70 before, before and after science. Man, whatever, when did Low come out? That was later. He did, you know, well, did Low. Low was part of the, the three albums in Berlin, though, right? Okay, so Low was 77. Yeah. Uh. Sorry for getting this off topic. Here. Yeah, getting <laughs> no, we're, way off we're, topic. We're talking about Eno. Yeah. I've read a lot of interviews. Brian Ferry is definitely a character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you haven't read anything about him, he's awesome. Uh, he's, he said, quote, The clothes we were wearing at the time would have been would have put off a large chunk of people, uh, reflects uh, Brian Ferry. What I liked about the American bands, the Stax label and Motown, they were into presenting and show business. Mole hair suits... Quite slick and the cover art. I thought all American pop culture icons, Marilyn Monroe selling cigarettes or beer with glamorous image. It was a bit off kilter as well. There wasn't. There was something a bit strange about it. Futuristic as well as retro. And he said that's you know sort of what they were going for with this. It kind of comes across too. It has that sort of fifties rock agreed feel, Jerry yep. Lee Lewis yeah. feel, but at the same time it feels so dangerous well, with the electronics. Basically a doo-wop song. Yeah. 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 I've got some notes on the cover. So, uh, first of all, uh, Robert Kreisgau uh, uh, yes. thought, it, thought it was a drag queen. <laughs> it's that. not. Her name is Carrie Ann Muller. Uh, she is married to Mick Jagger's brother, Chris. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we know her from another album cover. She is on the cover of Mott the Hoople's album, The Hoople. Fuck yeah, she is. Yeah. Uh, she's got big hair and, and the... The uh, the band is like superimposed in her hair. I'm, I'm pulling yep. up the image. Yeah, I've, I've got that record at home. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah, really interesting. The I I had read a lot about the yeah, covers and like why do the covers and he he just like really liked that sort of like glamorous like uh like the glamorous lady on the is sort of like on the cover of a magazine and obviously it was sort of glamorous par- lady it's sort of pairing um uh country living was like a magazine in the uk and they parodied that with like oh, yeah. the models on the cover and everything country life country life excuse me uh country living is actually a magazine here there's a really good article about all the different models uh, in what their take on everything uh, someone did very recently i think it was last year cool yeah. Wasn't CPL593H the license plate of a car driven by a glamorous woman that he noticed while driving to the studio? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's like, well, there's a babe. (laughs) (laughs) CPL593H! It's a little creepy that he bothered to memorize it, but, you know. I don't. I don't think. That Makes for a good hook. He in was that song. a not creepy dude. <laughs> you know, like it's kind of. He's pretty good at it. Man, that synth sounds so good. Yeah. How, what do you think about that synth sound? <laughs> so, so this right now we're listening to Virginia Plain, which was not on the album. No, it was not. Right. 
They just that's the, unfortunate because it rips. Yeah. yeah, the label after it came out, the label said, "Hey, do you have any?" I mean, the album did really well, so 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 well that they were very surprised. Like they didn't expect it to do gain much traction. Even Roxy Music was like, "Oh, we just thought it was for you know weirdo eclectic kids like us art." you know, people that want to listen to art rock or whatever. And so the label after it said, hey, do you have any other singles? Do you have anything else? And they said, yeah, we got this. Well, actually. Yeah, we have this. And so then, yeah, that's why the American version. What's its name? Virginia Plain. Virginia Plain. Yeah. <laughs> How about how many songs on this album don't actually have endings? They just kind of stop. Yep. Virginia Plain, Bitter's yeah. End. I think there's a few more. Or like. The first time I listened to like several of these songs, I need to like check to make sure nothing was broken. <laughs> yeah, like I w- I know I was just listening to a song and now all of a sudden I'm not anymore. Uh, oh, they it's like they run out of tape. Yeah, or something. you get so confused about when a song is starting and stopping. Sometimes I do think that it What's flows in a cool way. way. Yeah, yeah, and then it goes in that nice like uh, like Wurlitzer kind of or Rhodes or something like vibe for two uh, HB. Mm-hmm. But like it's I think that's got. That's part of what makes this record work really well for me is that um, you can get caught in a groove like at the end of uh, if there is something where you're just like bobbing your head to that awesome drum beat or you can be sort of this have this like disjointed moment of the song that transitions into the next song and then suddenly you're like, oh, but this is good too. Like mm-hmm. it keeps it kind of fresh and exciting. And this record is is kind of like last week's uh, Paul Simon. It's kind of all over the place. Um, but Obviously, it's a little different when you have like a, a band lineup versus somebody yeah. who's hiring different musicians for different songs. But I still think this this record shows a lot of creativity and versatility of writing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's one of the we were trying to discuss if it was one of the strongest debuts. Uh, debuts. I think so. Absolutely. It's definitely one of. Yeah. I yeah, think it's, it's and I think it's. I think a lot of people have said that it's it is up there. And we it was, we were having this conversation through our little chat hangout earlier this week of like the strong debuts that we've covered yeah. so far. So I looked up and uh, uh, this is a little bit off topic, but Rolling Stone has a list of the fifty best debut albums, hmm, really, which includes Whitney Houston's self titled album, which we will not talk about on this podcast. <laughs> oh <my apparently>. God. <laughs> this fucking book, yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, Roxy Music by Roxy Music may be a little front-loaded. I... Not a fan of the Bob? Oh, no, I'm still a fan of it, but, like, I put little stars by by the songs that, like, really, that really grab me when I'm listening to them, and if you look at a chart of this, it's every song on the first side and then Bitter's End on the last side, and that's just my personal rating system. It doesn't have... It has a bit of a... I don't know if it's a plateau or or what it would be. It sort of has like a sort of a bell curve, I guess. I don't know. It has something that you're right. It doesn't consistently go up, like it's like not, somewhere around it, like it's not as like exciting, would you believe in sea braises? It right. gets a it gets a little far from base, but it's 
if you wanted to hide those things, well, I guess if you wanted to hide those things, you'd make it, you know, every other song, you'd make, you know, a more up-tempo song, or at least sort of divide them out a little bit. I'm just wondering. I think, if it's, I think it's good, but one I, of I these understand what like you're saying. big songs from side one. Yeah, maybe they should just thrown one of them on side two. Yeah, like two HB yeah. or something. Well, if they would have put Virginia Plain, if they added that later, they could, probably could have. When they did add it, there. they added it to side one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that well, been that probably just had to one do side with two. the length. With the length, yeah, it is yeah. a long album. Is it? Yeah. Well, it feels like. I feel like it's substantial, like 45 minutes? minutes, no? It's 42. 42? Yeah. <laughs> Felt like 45. I mean, not like... Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess by the standards of some of the 1970s stuff... 1970s double the, albums. There was that, like, four in a row that we listened to that were just like, guys, it's called editing. Yeah, it's just like... Yeah, Manassas and... Uh, oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think... I don't, I don't even think it really matters. I, I think I don't think it's a bad comment in the sense that, like... Yes, the songs that we're most familiar with are mostly on the first side. But also, I think that once you're listening to this record, if you're on board, like you're gonna flip that record. Oh, absolutely! You know, if this is if this is doing it for you, it's gonna it's gonna make you happy the whole time. I don't dislike any part of this album. It just all the songs that are that I keep on like all the songs that I would put on a mix are on side one. I wonder if that contributed to the surprise success of this album. The fact that they, like, if they did indeed front load it, um, if that's like, you know, if people are like song after song, you know, where it's just, they're just so impressed with the, uh, you know, I mean, I think there's, there's something safer, like just put a bunch of bangers in a row and just get somebody to be like, instead of they're doing, isolating one track at a time, or, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, I did want to bring up, because I subconsciously noted it, noticed it, but had never really thought about it is uh, in remake remodel the first song there's those breakdowns where the whole band stops and then the little features the little features in the sax mi- mimics uh trumpets from uh richard wagner's uh, f- uh the valkyrie Flight of the Val- or yeah and then uh Ride of the valkyrie sorry. yeah yeah and then the bass guitar does day, day tripper, tripper. And like those little the guitar th- does a uh, kind of a bit of a Peter Gunn. Yeah, and so they like put those things in there, and subconsciously it like it's like showing you all these different like styles of like this culture, this sort of like, it's a pastiche. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of uh, that music concrete, uh, different elements coming in there. Also mm-hmm. with the recorded uh, ambiance of the uh, it's like a party at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of, yeah, it's very cool. It's like that pop art sort of uh, combining all elements of our culture. Apparently on Ladytron, uh, Brian Ferry told Eno to, quote, sound like the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, Eno. (laughs) And Eno was like, okay. (laughs) Brian knew what to do with that. (laughs) Yeah, they got along okay, but I think... Eno wanted to do, explore that that element, and Fairy wanted to keep it into the in the like sort of like rock spectrum. Well, wasn't Eno a straight up art kid who was like, "I want to play with sound." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he's he's a his interests are way beyond music. He has a app that's that's out uh, that he created. It's an Eno app. Yeah, and. Um, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Are you talking about his? Uh, it's called Bloom, 
And uh, what? Yeah, it's a it's a music app, but it's basically based on um, touching the screen. And so, like, it's got like a tonal variance that based on like where you touch on the screen. But like, he also has done. Um, there is like some sort of like space stuff that I think he's somehow involved in. I mean, the guys oh, Apollo. He did the soundtrack to the Apollo. That's right. It's not I'm just gonna music, it though. It's like sixteen it mission uh, or eleven. I think it was Apollo eleven mission. Mm. He did the soundtrack, and it's got like a, it's almost like a country space like album. It's so That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's like he's ambient. just an interesting guy. I think he like his he has decided to just be a creative person in any way he can muster yeah. up or get hired to, to try his hand at. I think that's all. He also has those uh, 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 oblique strategies. Yeah, yeah, those cards are great. Yeah, cards that's right. where you pull up a card and it... That's how it, Alex made his chili last time. He just... <laughs> <laughs> With Brian Eno flashcards? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. How, how'd it turn out? I think he may have won that year. Nice. <laughs> Brian Eno there for the go. win. Yeah. Credit him. Uh, do we even need to go around the room or? Uh, it's a winner. Everyone's yeah. all so positive. Yeah. Listen yeah. to this record. Yeah. It's really good. So surprising too. I think it's, especially with what we've been doing, it's like a, I feel like it's on its, it's on its own, just standing out. That's what I'm getting at when all I. these different, uh, albums that we're doing. I was fighting against uh, some of the records in the last like month or so. You've been punching Todd Rundgren? <laughs> no, I didn't do that one actually. But like, I think it was like maybe Stills. But like, there were a couple of records where I'm just like, guys, this just doesn't. You're like you're loading us full of songs, and you're not doing much exploration in songwriting. And then this, you hear something like this, and it sounds exciting, and it sounds fresh, and it's like exploratory. Like it's great. Good job. Way to like. Way to be exciting. You did it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Listen to the record. <laughs> what right. song is this called? Chance, Chance meeting. meeting. Yeah, that's my favorite song. Based on brief. Your favorite song on the record? Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, it's based on the. Chance meeting. No brief encounter. The the uh, French movie. Oh right. It's like yeah, 19, yeah. It's a Criterion. Yeah, totally. It's a great movie. Is it like a Godard? I can't remember. No, I feel like it's David Lean, but I'm sure it's not. Does Roxy Music still tour? Yes. Brian Ferry does. Yeah, because our friends yeah, just, he just went. came through. Jackson and Sean they, just went. Did you see that picture they posted on Instagram where they're both crying? They're just like, oh, they're weeping <laughs> immediately. So happy. They're like smile crying. Yeah, they're like having the exact same experience at the same moment, and it was captured on film. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. All right, next time we'll be talking about Alice Cooper. School's out. All right, thanks, y'all.